Shanti. And it's Antoinette. And you are listening to Around, Around the, the Way, Way Curls. We are two Philly bred best friends who strive to produce content that is authentic, unapologetic, and exalting of the magic we see in ourselves and in you. Join us as we oscillate between love and light and money and dicks because, because duality, duality is a thing. Yizzo. Hi, Shani. Hi, Ant- Hi. Internet, how are you today? I am fabulous. How are you? I'm good. I'm feeling good. I got to rest today, which has been like, I'm like, am I allowed to rest? <laughs> but I did. I've been taking naps. That's good. JoJo let you nap? <clears throat> kind of. <laughs> she just ended up taking a nap with me. Oh, okay. I'm good. Uh, I just got back from a girlfriend's house. She unfortunately is going through a breakup. So I hit her up and was like, okay, what do you need? Want me to come over? And she's like, yes. I was like, okay, are you hungry? What food do you want? And she's like, I'm not hungry. And I was just like, okay, that means wine and chocolate and donuts (laughs) and all the things. That will make someone Aww. feel better. So we just had a powwow, and she's she's making wonderful choices for herself, so I'm very proud of her. Um, shout out to her. But I'm good, you know, being being myself. Did you rest today? Today is President's Day. It, I mean, I did not rest today. I did not. Mm. <laughs> did, you, did you get your pedicure and go out to eat? I saw your stories. I did. You I, out here living your best life. I got a pedicure, but I was working and emailing while I was doing that. Ugh. And I just, I'm having, I just don't have a lot of support at work right now. So I am constantly on my phone emailing and following up with people and yada, yada, yada. So it didn't really feel like a rest day. But it's okay. That soon come, soon come. Soon effing come. But (laughs) today, I'm really excited about today's topic. Um, So this topic came to be because our Philly squad, my girlfriends, Shanti, myself. Philly squad? Jazz, Amanda, and Kayla, we all got together, what, last month, and we had, like, a nice little brunch breakfast, Um, and we had the kids there, and it was great. All the kids were there, and they're old enough to play in another room so the adults can talk, and we started just going down the line the way we do, like, okay, you give an update, you give an update, you give an update, and it was all about relationships and men and what we're discovering about ourselves through our relationships. And it was just like this common theme. And so I came home and I found a book that was super helpful for me. Um, Where did you find the book? uh, Sitting next to my bed stand, (laughs) my bedside table. (laughs) I I mean, where did you hear about the book in general? Well, I I asked you that. How did you hear about this book? 
So first, the book is um, by Robin Norwood, and it's called For Women Who Love Too Much. When you keep mm. when you keep wishing and hoping he'll change. Oh my god. <laughs> and Drop I actually found this book in therapy. My <laughs> therapist recommended that I read some books about codependency. And so I was like, okay, bet. And I was reading one, I forget, I think it was called Codependency. Yeah, it was called Codependency No More. That didn't really resonate with me as much. And I was I just kind of put it down. But then I was like Googling books about it. And this one popped up and men and women were raving about it and how it's not, it's not necessarily about codependency, um, quote unquote, because that's like a fairly new term, but it's basically all the symptoms of codependency are in this book. And I think that more people suffer from codependency and from loving too much than, um, what we actually can imagine. I think there are a lot of traits in here that um, resonate with a lot of different people. So after this dinner, I picked this up, or excuse me, this brunch with the girls, I picked this up and I started to reread it because for the first time we went around the circle and usually I'm a hot mess and I actually was in a good place. And so everybody was like, okay, what's your update? And I was like, I'm good. Like, I feel good. I'm still single and I'm fine with it and I'm traveling and I'm happy. And so it felt really good to say that. And I, I, I picked up the book because I'm, I'm the type of person that writes a lot of notes in my books. And so I wanted to revisit where I was a couple years ago. And I, a couple years ago, I was in therapy after a really bad breakup. And this book, I think helped me, um, really get back on my feet and it helped me to, it just, I reflected so much and had really hard and honest conversations with myself after reading it. So I wanted to share it with our Around the Way Curls. And I'm really happy that all of my girlfriends are reading this book um, now. Shanti I, I isn't. Included. I'm not sure why <laughs> you're not. I really wasn't included. There was like you a were on the like, group chat Kayla, where everybody Jasmine, was talking Amanda, about it. <laughs> I'm gonna get you the book. I'm gonna get the book. I you didn't buy the book for anybody but Amanda. That's the only person I bought the book for. Shh. Kayla and Jazz got it for themselves, and you're on the group chat. So I, I just figured just you would like get it. It was a collective agreement. I don't know. I just uh, I, it's okay. Just I'll buy the book, book Shanti. <laughs> First, and can you, can you change your phone so I can see your face? I'm just looking at a ceiling and it's not giving me the energy that I need. Oh, see, she didn't want me to see that she's actually laying down in bed all the way down while doing this podcast. If you don't this get up. Therapy. <laughs> you're the worst. My therapy. Uh, so anyway, you need to get the book. You were included. You're in the group chat. I don't understand why I have to say your name specifically for you to just... Get the damn book. Don't be annoying, please. Are you going to get it? Okay. <laughs> What's the name of the book again? Ah! <laughs> it's like, no, for women who be loving you need too much to or whatever, when the rainbow up. isn't enough. I cannot. I want to lie down, and I'm enjoying it. This Don't, is listen. a job. That I can do on my back. I need one of the few jobs. <laughs> Oh, God. Okay, anyway. So, for those of you who are wondering, um, what does it mean to be 
a woman that loves too much. And I do want to be very clear that this is written from the perspective of a woman. Um, and it's a, it's written in the perspective of a woman who loves a man, cis relationships, but it, the, the terminology is interchangeable. Like it could be for men who love women too much for men who love men too much. It's just people who love people too much. who are codependent as fuck. So the definition too much. love too much. That's interesting. Yes. Right. It's very interesting. Um, so the definition that she provides is uh, loving too much does not mean loving too many men or falling in love too often or having too great a depth of genuine love for one another. It means, in truth, obsessing about a man and calling that obsession love, allowing it to control your emotions and much of your behavior realizing that it negatively influences your health and your well-being, and yet finding yourself unable to let go. It means measuring the degree of your love by the depth of your torment. That, mm. <laughs> that resonates she with said me. by the depth of your torment. Yes. So wow. while we're always talking about, a theme of ours is always what the women are usually the ones that are accepting and enduring and riding and dying and yada, yada, yada. That is not love. Like, we we will measure, we will say quite often, like, oh, she's such a good woman. You know, she's been through this, 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 and this. But that is such an unhealthy way of measuring, one, someone's strength and, one, someone's goodness. Because that isn't necessarily a great thing. <laughs> to just be that woman that's always there despite the amount of pain that your partner is putting you through. Um, and I think that for me, I definitely uh, have been that woman. I've definitely measured my, like a, my womanhood up against how much I was willing to take and willing to endure um, while trying to fix a man or while trying to love a man until he got better, yada, yada, yada. I, I romanticize the shit out of struggle and pain. And I think it's very unhealthy. I think we see it in movies. I think we see it in television. And it's always this woman that's just like taking the brunt of this relationship and this pain and whatever and Finally, in the end, the man wakes up and realizes that she's worthy of his love. And that is, that is reckless. That, that is problematic. And it's unhealthy to me. Amen. And not only movies, media, music, but uh, your motherfucking parents. Music, your oh mom, yeah. Your aunt, your grandmother, your best, you know, women in your life. Yes. Um, that's, that's that's where I think I've seen it the most is with my with my mom. Mm. I um I don't think you suffer from this. Yeah, I don't know if that's like I mean I, I I've had definitely I've my 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 unreasonable patience has been expressed by not having, I haven't had, I've had probably one very tumultuous relationship, but most of my relationships have not been tumultuous and they've been, um, 
relationships where there was love shared, but I think I endured and was unreasonably patient in the ways of waiting for that per that partner to get themselves together, just like in terms of being competent in the world, like financially and just getting their their shit together mm -hmm. and um and wasting many years wasting many years and not getting it through my head that like this person was either ill-equipped to figure out what he wanted to do and actually show up in the world competently and then you know being a mother being in relationship with folks that couldn't show up for me entirely as a mom and like, but still waiting around and being like, you know, following that same pattern of, you know, if, if once he gets himself together and realizes that, you know, I'm the one for him and this relationships, you know, can really work, then everything will work out. Or once I'm, let me give him his space to like, fuck up and underachieve and let me hold it down and, and let me hold him down in this way to give him the space to like show up. So it wasn't like torment and abusive or like that. I guess those are the ways for me that that kind of um, unreasonable patience was mm. Well, Express. it's interesting because, so, I want to do something a little bit fun and a little bit vulnerable. She, this oh author, <laughs> this author actually has a checklist of things to look out for um, in terms of, like, do, if, if these things resonate with you, you might be a woman that loves too much. But first and foremost, I want to be very clear that most women who suffer from this or people who suffer from this are often very successful people. Um, they're, they're often people who find so much success in their professional lives that it really um, is mind boggling to them as to why they are not succeeding in their personal life the way they see it. So she has this one woman and the way she writes it, she, she has these each chapter details different um different people that she's provided therapy for and their different stories because she specializes in codependency. And um, of, of course, these people have aliases, but she writes, um, right from the start, Jill was willing to take more responsibility than Randy for initiating the relationship and keeping it going. So Jill was this woman who met this man on a business trip and she was flying back and forth to see him in different cities, was always calling, was always a person initiating everything, um, all the contact. And then when there was any discourse, like any discourse or arguments, she would always be the person to take the blame and try to fix it. And later on, I'll go into why she was constantly taking the blame. But um, this author writes, right from the start, Jill was willing to take more responsibility than Randy for initiating the relationship and keeping it going. Like so many women who love too much, she was obviously very a very responsible person, a high achiever who was succeeding in many areas of her life, but nevertheless had little self-esteem. 
the realization of her academic and career goals could not counterbalance the personal failure, failure she endured in her love relationships. Every phone call Randy forgot to make dealt a serious blow to her fragile image, which she then worked heroically to shore up by trying to extract signs of caring from him. Her willingness to take full blame for a failed relationship was typical, as was her inability to assess the situation realistically and take care of herself by pulling out when the lack of reciprocity became apparent. Women who love too much have little regard for their personal integrity in a love relationship. They pour their energies into changing the other person's behavior or feelings towards them through desperate manipulations such as expensive long-distance flights, phone calls, and anything else that she needed to do. Shit, motherfucking shit, shit. <laughs> so I want to do this. I want to read. She has here 15 um, characteristics of the typical woman who love too much. And I want to read each one. And Shanti... You and I will say whether or not that resonates with us. Okay? Okay. I can't see you again. I need to be able to see your face. I can't, Internet. I actually can't see your face. So you're not being reciprocal. You're asking too much for me. How? And I can't see your face. Well, you didn't tell me that. I'm fixing my thing right now. And you can see my face because I, I see my own face. I can. I just see your mouth. That is a lie. I see my eyes on the screen. No, now you just moved. I'm not playing with you. Anyway. I still can't see your How? eyes. I How? How? I'm right now here. Now I can. Now I can. Pissing me off. People don't know that we, we're not in front of each other. They're like, what are <laughs> And that we're not about? really friends, that you just make me angry. <laughs> All right, ready? <clears throat> Number one, typically you come from a dysfunctional home in which your emotional needs were not met. Chanti. Would I got like a ding a bell? Ding. <laughs> ding. Yes. Yes. Having received little nurturing yourself, you try to fill this unmet need vicariously by becoming a caregiver, especially to, to men who appear to be needy in some way. Ding. I don't think mm. you do that. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Um, I don't think that you are one of these women, but I'm just curious. Uh, number three. Because you were never able to change your parent or parents into the warm, loving caretaker you long for, you respond deeply to the familiar type of emotionally unavailable man with whom you can again try to change through your love. Ding. No. No. I'm dinging all the way, baby. I'm dung on everyone. Okay. Terrified <laughs> of abandonment. You will do anything to keep a relationship from dissolving. Ding. No. <laughs> Good for you. I'm proud of you. Almost nothing is too much trouble, takes too much time, or is too expensive if it will help the man you're involved with. Ding. Ding. Accustomed to a lack of love in personal relationships, you are willing to wait, hope, and try harder to please. Like I just ding or I, just ding or no. We'll get into it later. Yeah, ding. Uh -uh. You are willing to take far more than 50% of the responsibility, guilt and blame in any relationship. Ding. Yes, child. Number 8. 
your self-esteem is critically low and deep inside you do not believe you deserve to be happy. Rather, you believe you must earn the right to enjoy your life. Ding. All right, I have to write these down because I have to go over. I, I that's a no, 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 more no. That's really yes. good because yes you know what? No. I was taught like life is not something that is just like you have to earn happiness and like I, my parents, they did the best they could. God bless them. Number nine. Um, you have a desperate need to control your men and your relationships. Having experienced little security in childhood, you mask your efforts to control people and situations as being helpful. Ding. Yes, child. <laughs> ding. <laughs> yes. Number 10. In, relationship, in a relationship, you are much more in touch with your dream of how it could be than the reality of your situation. Before, not anymore. Ding. This is old Antoinette. This isn't new Antoinette. I'm digging for old Antoinette. Um, number 11, you are addicted to men and to emotional pain. Old Antoinette, ding. No. Good for you. Proud of you. Number 12, you may be predisposed emotionally and often biochemically to becoming addicted to drugs, alcohol, and certain foods, particularly sugary ones. Ding. Salty ones. Ding. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yes. Being drawn to people with problems that need fixing or being enmeshed in situations that are chaotic, uncertain, and emotionally painful you avoid focusing on your responsibility to yourself. Ding. Ding. 14. You may have a tendency towards episodes of depression, which you try to forestall through the excitement provided by an unstable relationship. Ding. Mm, no. 15. You are not attracted to men who are kind, stable, reliable, and interested in you. You find nice men boring. No ding for me either. So, I dinged a lot. <laughs> but I th feel like that's old Antoinette. I don't think new Antoinette does that as much. Um, you know what? And I also want you to give more credit to yourself because you haven't been in that many relationships. Uh, yes. And your agreed. relationships have been progressively healthy like even your last relationship he was better than the one before child he was better than the one before and you haven't been in many so you're not like a habitual mess no i mean no no i don't think i'm a habitual I, mess no or even like have this series of fucked up relationships i um but there are which were Traits in me that were very yeah. unhealthy that ring. I mean, you know me. When I ding, did you did you disagree? For what you witnessed, um, I also I don't know. I just I also think. I mean, and this is me talking for you. I'm, I'm what I see of you. I don't think that 
this narrative of you having low self-esteem is really reflected in anything that you do. Like, I think, of course, yeah, you may be, I think we all have a level of insecurity, but, like, you're not reckless, period. No, I you're don't just think, not reckless. I don't and think that reckless like is low self-esteem. Desperate. I don't think, no, and I don't think I'm desperate. I think, though, that um, I know that I have, there's a par- there are parts of me that have very low self-esteem that I have been actively working against. Um, they were much more apparent, I think, years ago when I was entering into these um, kind of toxic relationships. Um, and my low self-esteem, again, stemmed from body image, from a lack of what I got growing up, from me comparing myself to my sister, um, a lot of comparison. And I never had a low self-esteem when it came to um, my intelligence, when it came to being assertive and and making sure people around me respected me. But when it came to intimate relationships, I I always struggled with it and I always felt like the person was doing me a favor by being there and that I had to earn their love and that if they were unhappy, it had to do with what I was me, what I would, what I was not providing. If they did cheat on me, which every single person I've ever been with romantically has stepped out on me. And that was a reflection of me. That was because this girl was everything that I wasn't and yada, 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 yada. So I definitely um, have struggled with that. I don't think that I'm struggling with it as much. Um, I, I would never say that it's all gone. Again, we all have insecurities. But I'm nowhere near the place that I once was. Um, there's a lot of, I mean, I do a good job at covering things up. There was a time in my life um, I think uh, during college and a little after college where I was a little bit suicidal. I thought about it a lot and um, I wrote about it a lot. And when I revisit those journals and read it, it makes me so sad to see this girl or read about who I was and I just couldn't see myself. And I, and it, and the reason why I knew it was so unhealthy was because I would be on cloud nine one second and then drop so low the very next second. And it was all dependent on how whatever man in my life felt about me, whether we were doing good or whether we were doing bad. And Mm. that was where this book really resonates. My, my whole sense of being and my sense of self-worth revolved around how the men in my life felt about me. And it was to the point where I was, I was thinking about what it would be like not to be here sometimes because I felt so unworthy and so unloved. Um, and 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 placing your value and your worth and your lovability f- f- on a man's like validation, most important. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's exactly. That's exactly it. That's it. Um, But I think it's really interesting that a lot of times we look at, I think that there's a tendency to look at women who love too much or who are codependent as women who are, like you said, reckless 
or desperate. And that's not usually the case. It's usually much more subtle than that. And um, <coughs> it's usually just like women who try desperately to win the affection, um, the love, the f um, fidelity um, of a man, of a partner. And yeah. they, they, they morph themselves, they betray themselves to do it in order to do it. It's, it's interesting because I go back to Lemonade and I think about some of the stuff that she was talking about. She said, I crossed myself and begged for forgiveness at your feet. And it was like, that's it right there. Like you actually cross yourself. You actually go against everything that you be believe in, everything that you are. And then when you do that, you actually beg for forgiveness at the person who, <laughs> to the person that you're doing it for. Um, it's crossed yourself. What does that mean? And is she saying like cross herself, like the father, the son, the Holy spirit? No, I think it's more so you crossed yourself. Like you betrayed yourself. You went against everything that you were, you turned yourself into someone that you weren't, you, you contorted yourself. You did whatever it was that you felt like you needed to do in order to keep the relationship going in order to get him to stop cheating in order to get him to stop yelling in order to get him to stop X, Y, and Z and possibly love you the way you needed to be loved and instead of just walking away and accepting uh, yeah. I, I th that he can't do it. I think, and what we've talked about in the past and what I'm learning in therapy is one, I think, Again, we have to be really clear that, like, this is the way society and patriarchy is built. Is like men, in so many ways, women function and live and are validated and have purpose around men. Mm -hmm. Everything revolves around men, mm -hmm. and I think the key thing that that. I've seen in myself, I've seen in my mother, I've seen in my closest girlfriends, is like we are contorting, we are surrendering, we are doing everything but standing up and asking for what the fuck we want and what we need. Agreed. Like, not once. And I think that's where we really have to be super, super responsible for ourselves and accountable is like, like, not once in any of my relationships, and I'm trying to do that now, is, like, clearly state, like, yo, this is what I need, mm -hmm. rather than quietly tiptoeing and, like the book said, being passive-aggressive and manipulative and, like, hoping that this person is going to know exactly what it is that you need and what you want, versus right. just saying, like, yo, this is my standards, Right. Yo, this really hurts me when you do this. Yo, you have to pay rent. I have a friend. <laughs> Seriously, I have a friend uh. who is expecting her a, another child by a man that she doesn't know very well. She has children already. And she has a, a space, her own space, her own apartment. This person does not have the space or the capacity to have her and take care of her. She's pregnant. She's waking up at 
six in the morning and getting two kids ready for school. And he's sleeping on her couch. And like we're, we talk and she's like giving him so much space to like change and possibly like get around to realizing that, you know, his life is his, he has to be responsible and like weaning him into supporting her. Meanwhile, she's like holding down four kids now. Right. Basically. Right. And she's giving him space rather than saying like, yo, you got to go or yo, I need you to wake up at six and you get these kids breakfast because you're a dad now. Well, like, here it is. It. I that's mean, over. part of what you said was uh, telling people what you need. I think there's a lot of women, especially codependent women, who don't necessarily always know what it is they need outside of that validation from a man. And yeah. so it's hard to demand certain things when all you can, all you want and all you have wanted is for the person to give you that validation it's like you don't know what your standards are because you haven't had any can I ask you if in your in your relationships was a common emotion or a common um yeah I don't know if I don't know what other way to describe it was the a common emotion inner conflict or just complete like complete um focus on him um like like in my in all my situations there was inner conflict of being like i my needs aren't being met this person may never show up but i'm giving them all this there was inner conflict um but i so a couple things there was inner conflict in the relationship but there was also inner conflict outside of the relationship and that and that inner conflict outside of the relationship was depression, was loneliness, was um, a lack of self worth, was mm-hmm. wanting that validation so badly. So when you finally get it, the conflict within the relationship um, doesn't mean a whole lot <laughs> because no, no. you are willing to do anything and everything you can in order to get back the feeling of when the relationship is is in tip-top shape. And on top of that, the only conflict that you have usually is within yourself because you're... That's what I mean. You're thinking this, but it's within yourself because you're blaming yourself for how your partner is responding and treating to you. Right. So I I I didn't... mean like conflict, like... I didn't have inner conflict about whether what my partner was doing to me was right. So for instance, in my last relationship, my partner had um, serious, serious mood swings. One second we would be good. The next second he was not answering the phone. So, so I'll, I'll just, I'll give an example. I'm being vulnerable. There was one night he was out. He was texting me really racy shit. Um, he was like, I'm out, you know, drinking, whatever I'm coming over be ready so that was a complete turn on for me I'm getting myself ready um I'm sending him photos he's like responding he's like okay um I'm five minutes away I'll let you know when I'm downstairs and I was and I made a joke and said should I put on the slides you bought me like these Nike slides or heels lol and he flipped out on me 
Mm. He flipped out on me. He he texted me and said, why would you say that? And I was like, it was a joke. And he was like, you're always fucking joking. What? And I had just sent him a bunch of pictures, which for me back then was a really big deal because I didn't, I did, wasn't always secure in myself. Um, and the pictures were very racy, whatever, you know, they, they were, they were, and it, it was me being vulnerable to him. Um, and he flipped out on me and he was just like, I'm not coming. What? And I was like, wait, what? And so that kind of rejection, I was like, oh my God, I'm, I play too much. Like, what the fuck? Like now he's mad. And then wow. I started blowing his phone up and he wouldn't answer the phone. And then he texted me after I called him maybe like five times. And I was, I had left him a voicemail. Like, cr- I think I was crying. Like, why would, why, what happened? Like, why are you mad at me? And he was just like, you just fucking play too much. You just always kill the vibe. That was his main thing. You always kill the vibe. And he was like, if I want a fucking comedian, then I'll go get a comedian. Like, just mean. Like, now it's just mean when I hear it. It's insane that I even dealt with it. And instead of being like, you know what, dude? Fuck you. There's something wrong with you. Um, I went to his house in the middle of the night. And I waited outside until he got home. Mm. And I cried. And I waited outside. And when he saw me, he was pissed off. And he was like, why are you outside my house? Right. And he was just like, you don't have any fucking boundaries. This is my problem with you. So it was another thing like, okay, now I fucked up again. I don't have any boundaries. Yeah. And oh, how can I make this right? How can I fix it? I'm just fucking up really badly tonight. Ugh. And then it was me begging him to forgive me. And it was just always me, 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 me. And I was, and I took that on. It was, it in my head, it was my fault. I had killed the vibe. And then I had, I don't have any boundaries. And I waited outside his house, even though when I got there, he, he, the first thing he did was look me up and down and kept walking past me. So that kind of, like, I, that's what I was dealing with within my relationship, unfortunately. And those kinds of episodes had been quite a bit. And it was either that or we were on cloud nine and he was, we were skipping down the street, riding our bikes, having a wonderful time but then we would have these very low lows and they would come out of nowhere and and I was very off balance and I was very conflicted but it was not with him because I didn't have the tools to love myself enough to see that it wasn't me and that I was worth more than that and that is a lot of what that's a good segue because a lot of what um women who love too much, a lot of what they deal with is that this love versus... Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. 
Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Fear thing. So I was so fearful of losing him and of being alone. It being your fault. And yeah, it, it being, being my fault. fault and feeling that rejection that I feel like I had felt all of my life. The first person who I felt like rejected me was my mother for the way I looked. She had a serious issue back in the day uh, of that around my weight. And I carried that with me my whole life. Um, again, disclaimer, we're better now. But um, I struggled with it. I struggled with it a lot. And so um, when I finally got a glimpse of what it felt like to be in a relationship and to have someone, quote, unquote, love me, uh, I was willing to stop at nothing to keep it. So there's another excerpt. And this is actually the excerpt that I sent to my girlfriends, which made them ask, you know, like, what is this book? And it says, um, if you have ever found yourself obsessed with a man, you may have suspected that the root of that obsession was not love, but instead fear. We who love obsessively are full of fear, fear of being alone, fear of being unlovable and unworthy, fear of being ignored and abandoned or destroyed. We give our love in the desperate hope that the man with whom we're obsessed with will take care of our fears. I'm sorry. And in, mm. instead, the fears in our obsession deepen until giving love in order to get it back becomes a driving force in our lives. And because our strategy doesn't work, we try even harder and we love too much. Mm. And I think that I think that that is um, that sums it up too. Um, that it pains me to talk about it because it makes me really sad to think about just how low I once was, how lost and confused I was, and how much I really just didn't put myself first and didn't love myself um, and didn't value myself. Um, and yeah, that story but, is you know, lightweight. That's not even like, it's not even close to all the other ones that accompany it. But I don't know. I, I think the, I, the fear of it really, that internal conflict, it has nothing on the fear of it. So I hear you when you say like, most of your relationships, you had this, this internal conflict where you were struggling to, you, you knew something was wrong. When you're in, when you're usually when you're in a codependent place in your life and you're a codependent person, 
the fear of being alone and the fear of being rejected and the fear of having all the things that make you feel unworthy be quote unquote true and manifest is, is much more prevalent. It's like, Mm -hmm. whatever you do, you just don't want the things that you dislike about yourself to become like everyone's reality and every, and and your narrative. And so you're willing, I was willing to do everything and anything I could to make that, to make him be kind. Um, You know, I remember a day where I went all out and was like, he had like this huge party with his friends and I was there helping and buying bottles and getting chairs for my house and walking them up the street and this and that. And his one friend wanted to know who I was and we started talking and he went and got my bags out of the room and he put them by the door and he said, it's time for you to go. Yeah, I don't. And he did that because he he didn't like the fact that I was having a private conversation with his friend. He thought that I was being. You you were in an abusive relationship like that's just straight up irrational abuse. Um, yo, you get me mad. Like, <laughs> don't get mad. You get me really upset because you're still super gracious with that human being. I'm super um, gracious because you're in therapy and you know that hurt people hurt people. Yo, fuck that nigga. Yo, no. I'm sorry. No, I I, I don't I feel totally, that way. I don't have anger I know, towards him. I know because he I know. he had been through far more than what I had been through in my mind. I know. And I guess that is the grace that I hope and the pride that I hope you exude. And I think I see that in you and myself and myself is that, you know, we grow, we, we, we're taught at a young age and we see so much and we absorb so much and a lot of trauma happens and a lot of grooves are created on how and narratives are created on on you know what love is why we're lovable how we love and it's all a mess and you were just super young and these were these were kind of like the first opportunities for you to put your tools that you had to use and you know and many times you were bringing like a knife to a gunfight and you were totally ill-equipped and you got destroyed but I think that it your ability to kind of like I'm going to have compassion to reflect for him too. No, I mean I think you should most importantly most importantly and this is the most important thing in um, all relationships is like you just you really have to worry about yourself. If you're not if you're not f- reflecting on yourself and like how do you, if if you had been more, if you had a little bit more, if you, next time, and you will, and you're in a situation with a partner and something comes up, and I'm think, speaking to myself too, I think it's really the healthiest thing is like, how do I feel in this? Mm-hmm. You know, like, ha, 
how do I feel? How is this making me feel? Right. If you had done that, you know, maybe you would have maybe you would have been able to you would have been a little less tolerant. Right. I think like that in really codependent relationships me. that doesn't make sense. You don't you don't ask yourself how you feel. You only ask how the other person is feeling. The other person feeling. Because the yeah. other person's feelings are Did you give a the... definition of codependency upon the start of this? Because this is really what it's about more than... Um... It, I, I, I don't feel com- comfortable. Codependency is so new. And when you look up a, de- a definition of codependency, you get like 15 different definitions. And I'm not a mm-hmm. licensed anything and I don't feel comfortable trying to define it because I don't think the medical folks have really figured it out yet. So I like to just refer to it as for people who love too much. Um, that's why, why I think this book resonated with me more because all the codependent books kind of contradict one another. They're still figuring out what that means. Some people feel like codependent people, they just are needy and they latch on and they can't function without another human. I've never felt like I can't function without another human. I preferred to have the, that kind of romantic love, but I was always getting my shit done. So that didn't resonate with me. Um, other people feel like it's like someone who needs someone to rely on them. Mm. So the definition is still being defined. Um, I mean, I, I would just say like, and I know that there's some people listening like, why the fuck does she have compassion for him and for this human? And I need to be clear that what I've, what I've grown from is having compassion for him where I ignored how I felt versus having compassion for him and like being very clear that what he did was wrong, still holding him accountable. Yeah. And that's where I'm at. But I'm never not going to have compassion for people because... You know, his story is a, it's a hard story. And um, I get why he was a bit unstable. Um, but anyway, I mean, and, and it's interesting because a lot of codependent people, um, like we said, it, or like I said in the beginning, they, they're victims of abuse or um, products of an unhealthy family and childhood. And it's like, often these are children of addicts or of alcoholics and um, or children of just parents who are ill-equipped. They might be severely depressed. Just parents who are not able to give the child whatever that child emotionally needs at that time. And every child needs something different. So it's very difficult um, to kind of pinpoint when it's happening. Um, but often those children, they take on this savior role Um, And they overcompensate to, like, stabilize the home and prove that they're worthy of their parents' love. And they tend to have, like, this savior complex. Um, And they also, they have a need for both superiority um, and and the suffering they experience within that savior role role, um, leads them down a rabbit hole of toxic relationships. So not only do they feel like do they are they attracted to people who are usually unstable or in need of some kind of saving or some kind of healing um but they also kind of get off on being that person to save you see what i'm saying to be needed in that way 
and they what I, I guess I just need more clarity because like what relationship are you ever going to be in with anybody that doesn't have a level of um, it's when you're doing somebody it. Somebody's not hurt, and somebody like has their problems and they have their shit. Absolutely, and, like, you gotta but it's when you're it when you're saving somebody it. to the point where you're depleting yourself and you're ignoring yourself. Oh, okay, that is unhealthy. That's good. That's good. But it's important yeah. to note that every woman who loves too much um, is is it's not always a product of this kind of upbringing, but it's very um, common. Uh, it does vary, and there there are many types. This is the other thing. There are many types of unhealthy family dynamics um, and child experiences and situations. You know, mine, I didn't feel like I got the love and affection and the, um, what is it called when you need somebody there, their approval? Like, I didn't get mm-hmm. that stamp of approval from my mother in the way that I wanted. And then I also dealt with sexual abuse and rape as a child. So that kind of led me into, and I had a savior complex because the reason why I didn't tell my parents about the sexual abuse and the rape was because the man that was doing it told me that he was going to kill my father if I ever said anything. So in my young six, seven, eight, nine-year-old head, for all those years, I was thinking I was keeping my father alive. And I carried that as a young child. So I always walked around with this kind of sorrow, but also this pride of I am, I am sac- self-sacrificing to keep my family safe. I am a hero. And mm-hmm. it was very egotistical. <laughs> It was a little crazy, but it was also a young mind. That's how you would think. And so I carried that over into my relationships with what I was willing yeah. to endure. endure. Yeah. Um, but I do want to touch on the family thing because it doesn't have to be as severe as that, as like a crack head parent or anything like that or rape. Or It's also like there may be problems um, – that are covered up within your family and the, all these underlying secrets that make a family dysfunctional. Um, and most families, you know, they don't even skim the surface. So like you can, let me think, how can I say it? Like when no one can discuss what affects like every family member individually, as well as the yeah. family as a whole, Um, And when this, like, kind of discussion is forbidden, like, implicitly forbidden, like, we don't talk about that, we don't this, we don't that, Um, Uh we learn not to believe our own perceptions and feelings, Right. you know? And so then, like, this impairs us, and it it impairs our development as children and our basic tools for, like, living life and discerning what is okay and what is not as okay when it comes to relating to people. Yeah. So and just motherfucking trusting yourself. Exactly. So when you get into this these situations right. where you're sitting here like, but didn't you, ask, you know, did you ask yourself, did, how does I feel? You don't even do that because we don't talk about that. And then it's important right. to understand just, that, yeah. that the one common thing, there's one common thing. And I think in every unhealthy relationship, and she writes it in this book and she says, um, What all unhealthy families have in common is their inability to discuss root problems. 
There may be other problems that are discussed, often ad nauseum, but these often cover up their underlying secrets that make the family dysfunctional. So I take that back. I didn't have a dysfunctional family then. I, I guess my family was, and you know, my mom. <laughs> Your mom speaks up, baby. She, <laughs> she does not know you, but she wants to get to the root of your problems immediately. 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 I didn't have that problem. My parents were always digging to the root, all the way down to like And that's why I think that about you have soul. not had some of these experiences where you probably have self-sacrificed to the point of no return and I admire you so much for that and I know that you've done it to an extent but I but I see you always there's something in you where your intuition comes in and you trust it yeah I have not had that because I I didn't grow up with that there was shit that we did not talk about there was shit where if my mom flipped out it was I flipped out because you made me angry and that's it we're not yeah. we're not talking about it. My dad had a whole other child off on the side and my mother never brought it up. I did not find Child. that my shit out until told my three year old right. self so quick. My you sister told me <laughs> she ne- my mom How never you... told me my mother has a history of her own kind of like fucked yeah, up childhood right. that she that. never mm-hmm. talks about to her. It never happened. She don't know what you're talking about. She's like, what? Never happened. I don't know what you. I don't know what you or your father's talking about. Shut up. Wow. Shut She's up just not gonna do it against the ground. And I just, I just didn't grow up with that. And most, so and a lot of people does, don't. Well, shout out to my my crazy parents because that's what they. That's all they did. That's what they Jesus. live for. Your mom comes to me when I come to visit you. She's like, "How you doing in New York? You feeling good? Yeah. How's your heart?" And I'm like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> How are your relationship with these men? You gotta stop. You gotta stop giving your everything to them. You gotta get a little bit radical. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So, so with all that said, shit. there's all this unidentified pain that people, not just women, people are walking around with, and it's so ironic because most women who love too much they can respond with such sympathy and care and understanding to the pain of like their loved ones but be so blind to their own pain. Because again, they never had the tools to really self-identify what is going on with them, within themselves. So what does, what, what do you do? What is self-care? What is self-love? Well, we ain't even there yet because I haven't even finished, (laughs) I haven't even finished this list of shit for women who love too much. Because we can get into self-care and shit, but then there's also the woman that, hold on. The person. Hold on. Let's say the person. Oh, okay. Hold on. So there's also the women that, um, that control is a serious issue. There's a woman that's Mm. like, I don't accept that. I don't accept the fact that this man cannot love me the way I need to be loved. Like many women and people who love too much, they find it a lot easier to self blame than to accept that their partner, than to accept their partner's basic inability to love and express love. And so most believe that if they change themselves enough, 
that they can bring about the change in their partner because this thought is rooted in control and in ego. So by blaming ourselves, we hold on to hope and we are in control of the situation. We're in control of ourselves and therefore we can change and manipulate our partner into being who we need them to be. So in our yeah. conflicted, convoluted minds, we're taking back control of the situation by I, saying, oh, I'll I take this I resonate with that one. Mm. Yeah, I resonate with that one. Why? To definitely. Why? Um, why? Or how, I rather. I just. I think, is that just like an innate woman th thing? Like, I don't know. I don't know. I, I just think, again, you know, very few of my partners, I didn't, I never felt like they didn't love me and they weren't loving towards me it was just the actual act of all right we love each other now let's have let's level up and have like an actual partnership mm -hmm. and like be able to grow together that never I I always figured you know if I gave the resources you know the woman that's writing her man's resume the woman that's doing her Let's go sign you up for classes. Right. Let's go get you in this school. Let me give you this $1,000, you know. For me, it was always like trying to... Hold them down? Hold them down with my resources, with my competence and just like... And there's nothing the wrong world. with helping, but when it's coming to the point where you're depleting well, yourself and when you're well, yeah. like... It not helping them grow and holding them accountable. That's the problem. And right. that goes back to my shit is like I was doing all of this stuff and holding them down, thinking that that was in a manipulative kind of controlling way, thinking that they were that was signs to them that I needed them to actually show up a little bit more. And like that doesn't make any sense. I need you to be able to afford an apartment. So let me pay for the entire apartment. What? Like, that doesn't... <laughs> right, right. doesn't make any sense. But in my mind, I'm like, he's going to come around. And let me just do this and, you know, give him this space, again, this space to, like, figure his shit out and um, it's going to happen. And then I'll be supported in the way that I need to be supported rather than just saying and asking directly for what I needed. And I don't know, is that controlling? I think it's just le less control. <laughs> 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 I think it's I think it could be manipulative it's if your naive. intention was to it's naive and I think it's a bit manipulative cuz I think your intention was to try to tell him, you know, the, look, these are the things that we need. Hello, instead of just tell it was passive yeah, my aggressive. Yeah, was fucked up. It was passive I left aggressive. So many relations. I messed up, <laughs> not messed up, but I left so many relationships and the man just had no idea why. Like just no idea. Like I was in my last straw. Like this shit ain't fucking working. And the person had no idea right, what was going on. You didn't on. communicate it. Cuz I did not communicate that I was for years I was frustrated as fuck with you. And right. then I left you. And then they're like, wait, what? Right. We were doing great. You were paying all the bills. And I was doing my thing. What? 
Yeah, I, I think that yours is more so it's, it's, is more naive. It's manipulative and, and, and like passive, passive aggressive. aggressive. It's passive aggressive. Yeah. I, I think I'm more, or I was more manipulative with my love, where I'd be like, I'm doing this for you. I'm doing this for you. Please do it back. Please do it back. I'm doing this. So Did you, you say that? So you can't be mean. You can't be mean to me. I mean, I don't know. I don't even fucking remember. I, 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 I said enough. I, I, I pleaded. I don't know what the fuck I did. I, I didn't. I should have ran, but I didn't. <laughs> you should have. I should have ran. But I, I, I also Manifest know that there's another aspect can. of a woman who loves too much, and that is the woman who is addicted. <laughs> and, mm. child, we know a couple people like that where, like, she writes, in <laughs> um, each, or excuse me, early in each of her relationships, there was an initial high, a feeling of euphoria and excitement while she believed that finally her deepest needs for love, attention, and emotional security might be met. Believing this, Jill became more and more dependent on the man and the relationship in order to feel good. Are then, you talking about Jill Scott? Shut up, <laughs> Then, Scott. like an addict who must <laughs> use a drug more as it produces less effect... She was driven to pursue the relationship harder as it gave her less satisfaction and fulfillment. Mm. Trying okay. to sustain what had once felt so wonderful, so promising, Jill la like, lavishly did everything she could for her man, and she needed more contact, more reassurance, more love, because she was receiving less and less. And the worse the situation became, the harder it was to let go because of the depth of her need, she could not quit. Wow. That is really real too. And I feel like that is, that's not the beginning stage. That's like, I feel like the beginning stage is when you're like, you're insecure, you're, you're, you are just trying to please this person. You're just so happy that he's there. And then when the shit starts going sour and you start just doing more and loving harder and being the best that you can be and like going 150% and then you're still getting less, but that, that initial high was so good and you're just always constantly chasing that first high. They always say... Your first hit is never like, or excuse me, your second hit is never as good as the first, and your third is never as good as the second. You're always chasing that initial high, and women do that, and men, and everybody does that in relationships. I feel you just get addicted, especially if the D is good. You just get so oh. addicted. You be like, I can, I can, we can be dancing around in the kitchen again. I know it. We can be singing love yeah. songs to each other again. I know it. Like, it was there. Right. I can get it back. We can right. get it back. So I'm going to do, do, do. And that person starts to resent the fuck out of you for do, 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 doing. That was my, my right. ex specifically would be like, he was so resentful of me because he was so angry with himself sometimes for how he would treat me that when I would uh -huh. come back and respond kind and more loving, he would, oh, it yeah. would put, turn him off. Like, what the fuck? This girl is annoying. Why can't she just right. get mad at me? It was like, right. nah. I don't deserve, I don't, and the root of it is, uh, his shit is, I don't deserve, I don't deserve it. Right, I'm that not, I'm not his. here to, to 
to talk about that was his the root stuff. Of that poor boy. You know he, who you are. That his root was so deep. But the addiction, I mean, child. We know people like that. Addiction is real. Addiction I, is real. <laughs> I'm addicted to what the possibility could be. Like we could be in the kitchen. Yeah. We could be have three kids together and that's why you was paying for apartments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. We could, once we get this together, we're going to be great. Right, right. He's, <sighs> he's going to be great. One day, if he's he just be, X, Y, and yeah. Z, if I just pay for his school and write his resume and if I just pay for his nigga, car note and everything the fuck else, he's going to get it together. He's going to see me working so hard that he's going to want to level up. No, bitch, he's not. <laughs> Even if you're, he's not. No matter what, no matter mm-hmm. what, he's just, he's just not gonna do it. Um, I mean, this book is full. Like, I have to let y'all know that um, that's only chapter one of the book. I went, oh! <laughs> I went through. I'm serious. I went through. I mean, it's it's heavy. That it's is... a really really easy read. I'm really interested in reading chapter two and then doing another episode, <laughs> chapter three, another one because it's full. Oh, folks should get the book and then we, we should we should. Have I would love to have podcasts. a book club. I would love to figure that out. Oh, that'd be fun. They need to. Y'all need to hit us up if you're interested in that because we're not just gonna be having a book club and nobody's really interested. But we should do it. Uh, along the lines of kind of what you were talking about a little bit is bell hooks has a series about yes, love. Yes. And I just saw something. Fran just posted um, about it. Fran. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's so in line with what I've experienced and kind of what you were talking about, especially about women that are super driven and, and professionally they're excelling da la la that they want to get in relationships with men that don't, stop them from showing up in the world Mm -hmm. but so they they choose that kind of freedom for the man to support them in that way but like emotionally he's completely stunted right so you end up kind of like with a stunted relationship that only serves you halfway right and I was like shut the fuck up bell cooks Hooks, bell hooks. No, bell I mean, cooks, I would love, I would love that. Book. I mean, this book specifically is a really easy read. Um, is I think it's super relatable. Um, again, uh, we'll we'll link it. But the author is Robin Norwood. It's titled "For Women Who Love," or excuse me, just "Women Who Love Too Much." When you keep wishing and hoping, he'll change. It is amazing, and that is the first <laughs> chapter. That's what the first chapter deals with. I mean, these chapters go on and on and on, child. And, you know, just a disclaimer, it's it's going to be triggering. Like, the first chapter is loving a man who doesn't love back. Second chapter is good sex and bad relationships. Third chapter is if I suffer for you, will you love me? Number four is the need to be needed. Number five is shall we dance? Six, when men choose women who love too much. Seven, beauty and the beast. Eight, when one addiction feeds another. Nine, dying for love. Ten, the road to recovery. Eleven, recovery and intimacy closing the gap. Oh, so you ain't even at the end of how to, how to stop this cycle. Of- no, I read the book. 
I read the book. I'm rereading <laughs> it with the girls now, but um, yeah. I, I, I would I highly recommend men and women read this book. I mean, my book is so disheveled because I have so many notes and highlights and folds and I hope Shanti too that one day you you ask Jojo to read this and you make her read it when she turns like fourteen or some shit because she needs to read it and she needs to know. Um she needs to know. But the I'll 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 the my last thing that I'll read from it is um Honestly, I think it's the takeaway and it's in the preface (laughs) and it's not even in a chapter. It's in the damn preface. And she ends the preface by saying, if you choose to begin the process of recovery, you will change from a woman who loves someone else so much it hurts into a woman who loves herself enough to stop the pain. And I think that is what we all want for ourselves and for each other. Make it stop. Stop the pain. <laughs> Ciao. <laughs> well, I promise we're going to sh- have some light-hearted podcasts <laughs> sometime, someday soon. <laughs> no, they said they wanted us to recap Living Single like we did Martin. So we could do that. Um, and we, we're going to have um, we're going to have our what, what else are we going to do? We're going to do one. Nothing. We have a bunch of other self-development, soul-jerking, tear-jerking. No. <laughs> no, I have a Things w- that make you look in the mirror and smack yourself kind of <laughs> podcast. <laughs> I have Who one. the fuck am I? No, I have ones in here. Well, the other one is pretty rough. Uh, no, not that one. <laughs> Wait, let me see. Nope, not that one. There's one. Nope. I, I should just read read the titles that we have. Dear Mama, You Fuck Me Up. <laughs> Oh my God! <laughs> uh, we That's have real rap. That's so true. What's we, wrong with us? We have um, respectability politics. We have the intimidating woman, ghosting. New number hootis. Um, we have feminism. What's that? We have being with yourself. You're never single. <laughs> and then my dumbass has fuck Mary kill, and I just want to. Do play Fuck Mary Kill an entire oh, podcast that'd episode. <laughs> that'd be fun. But I just don't know who anybody is. Right. It, <laughs> like, Shanti. I'm going to be like the such and such. But, ugh, Google it. <laughs> no, but we definitely, we are, um, listen, duality is a thing. So we're trying to deliver these messages in a way where motherfuckers want to take them in. You know, it has. We had a motherfucker, so you ignorant niggas hear hey. me. Name that artist, <laughs> Lauren Hill. It's true, though. That's what we're doing. That's who we are. That's what we're doing. So I hope that um, we made this digestible for y'all. Um, I hope you read this book by this wonderful white woman. This is White Excellence, Robin Norwood. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Honey, White Excellence. Um, yeah, so we're going to find... No, I think it, I'm going to make it our job that at least once a month we have just a silly episode. They said they want us to do a, a living single tribute the way we did for Martin. If you say that again. Did I say that? Uh, yeah. But I you might have to. <laughs> I have, you haven't <laughs> said anything about it, though. Like, do you want to? I said, okay. Um, you don't. Not particularly. What do you? But people like that. What so. do you want to do, Shanti? 
I don't know. It's God not damn it. super. I'm telling them in therapy right now to figure out what I want so I can ask people to support me in it. Um, you need to come up with something fun, child. But I will say our depressing podcasts are the most popular. Y'all didn't really listen to Martin as much. That's annoying. People really, that's what they said. They want to really hear all of the things. I mean, I think people, black women are leveling up. It, we Ooh, do not wanna, just have black know. women. We and have they some also want to know how men. fucked up we are. Right. People really, people really want to hear how sick we are. We've given it to so you, They're going to be like, yes, Antoinette cried on the podcast this week. Great episode. <laughs> <laughs> that bitch wanted to kill herself at one point. Did y'all know? It's terrible. <laughs> I want the nitty gritty, baby. Goddamn. <laughs> they want the nitty gritty, baby. I was on the motherfucking edge. <laughs> That's not funny. Um, that's mama. not funny. Um, what? What is it? Mental health is a serious issue. Yes. Is so. that a meme you you read too? I'm telling you, these memes are really what's directing. Mental all of health this. is a serious issue. Is not a meme, you crazy monster. Yes, it. I've seen. I've liked that meme like 17 times Bye. this year. <laughs> it was pink. The fact blue, that we're just head. having a conversation a- at the end of this episode <laughs> to lighten it up is outrageous. Okay. So yes, um this should just this is the end of the episode. Please hit us with more episode ideas, things that you want to hear. Um rate us, subscribe. Subscribe to Around the Way Curls podcast. Um tweet us. I am on Twitter. I am responding. We're having a good time on Twitter. And (laughs) (laughs) Shanti's punk ass ain't on there. It's me and you, y'all. We try it. I am on Twitter. I am responding. (laughs) Guys, uh, for the longest time, when I finally logged back on there, there were so many, like, mentions that we had just never responded to in, like, two years. And I felt really guilty. So I'm back on. I'm checking it daily doing my thing so that's it this is the episode for women who love too much take care of yourselves ladies and men and um we them they uh so shanti with that we out i hate it's over yes we're out (laughs) just press stop please you have just heard an around away curls john Follow them on Twitter at ATW Curls and Instagram at Aroundaway Curls. We out early. <laughs> Very good. It could all be so simple. But you rather make it hard. See